It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 195, entitled Steve Jobs Wore Dark Pattern T-Shirts. It was recorded on Monday the 7th of February 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and as always, I'll be joined by some WordPress notable guests. This week, it's Pichineri, Maciek Palmowski, and Remkus de Vries. And because it's all about WordPress, guess what we're going to talk about? First up, 5.9 core contribution statistics. Who is helping build WordPress core? Which companies do they work for? And so on. We also talk about the enormous value, the monetary value of the WordPress ecosystem. It might be significantly bigger than you think. There's a new idea floating around of having a block protocol so that blocks, not just WordPress blocks, but blocks anywhere on the internet could be interoperable. Do you like the idea of that? A German court has fined a website owner for using the Google fonts and because of that they've given the IP address of visitors over to Google and that is against the GDPR. There's a long discussion to be had there. We get into the topic of accessibility because I did a podcast episode this week with Amber Hines and we also introduce you to a new tool called Penpot. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. Good afternoon. Hello, 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 wherever you are in the universe. Hopefully you're doing well and you are happy. You have joined us for episode number 195, 195 of the This Week in WordPress show. Very glad to have you along. Feel free to drop us a a cheeky little comment in, depending on where you are watching from. We have a few little bits of housekeeping that we need to do each and every week before I introduce the guests. Uh, and that is to say that if you are watching this over on Facebook, which some of you do, then you have to go through this extra little step. You have to go to, um, no, that's not it. It's this one. There we go. You have to go to chat.restream.io forward slash fb otherwise we don't know who you are now you may very well wish to post incendiary comments um, and be anonymous and if that's the case that's fine you don't need to go through that step but if you don't want to go through that step because you don't like giving facebook information then you could just write your name at the beginning of the comment um Also, feel free, if you've got this on a screen over to your left or to your right and you're not really paying attention to it, feel free to to do that. But why not? Why not take a moment? Go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live. That's where we're broadcasting this. That's probably the easiest way because it's open to everybody. Copy and paste the URL, stick it in Twitter and say, stop what you're doing. Come and watch this show because, you know, that would be nice. We've got a few of you coming in and posting your comments. I appreciate it. Three lovely guests on the show today. Where should we begin? Let's begin Let's begin with Peacher. How are you doing, Peacher? Hello, hello. I'm really well. Very happy to be here. It's been a while. Well, it's it's been a while since you've been on this show, but it hasn't been so long since we had you on the WP Builds because we had you no, on our, that's, that's we had you on our little true. yeah we had you on our little UI show a couple of weeks ago. But Peacher is a UX expert and global speaker. She helps businesses and agencies win on the web by putting users at the center. She loves educating designers and developers in the best UX and UI practices via workshops. Courses and talks. Peacher is also a UX project lead on international projects at and a maverick at Cloudways, a 
cloud hosting platform. And in a former life, she was a full-on creative spending her days creating images. Do you miss those days? Uh, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's but it enough. was still, I mean, it was... Um, it had its, you know, bad moments as well as, as good ones, but yeah. Yeah, on the whole, happy where you are now. Okay. It, it was, but I, yeah, exactly. I'm very happy now as well. Good, good. Well, thanks for joining us today. We also have um, Matchek. Matchek, please forgive me if I butcher your surname. I, I did practice it and then I've forgotten what I practiced. Palmowski. That's perfect, really. Is I'm, it? Oh. Yes. And, and when, when I heard how, how you pronounce Matchek, it was. I was really impressed, really. I, I thought that you were practicing like like the whole week. That's the end of the show this week. It's not going to get any better. Thanks for joining us. We'll see. <laughs> Honestly, it's downhill from here. Uh, brilliant. Uh, brilliant. I feel very chuffed. Um, let's introduce Matchek, though. Matchek is a WordPress developer working at Body. You can find that at body.works, by the way, as a WordPress ambassador. After hours, I, he spent most of his time trying to find interesting news for w, the WP Owls newsletter or cycling. It's one or the other. By the way, if you don't subscribe to WP Owls, you must. You must stop what you're doing and go and subscribe there. You're like, you put a lot of effort into that, don't you, you guys? It's brilliant. Well done. Thanks, thanks. That's really nice to hear. Where and, do we find uh, it? Give us the URLs. It's wpowls.co. Sadly, the .com was already taken. So. Really? Yeah. Yeah, That's it a, was. Yeah, it's a blow. Anyway, go yeah. and check it out. It's a fabulous... And, you know, the Twitter stream is always full of stuff. There's loads of content coming out. <laughs> and, uh, and you should go and check out Bodyworks as well because... You know, we actually did a podcast, which I'll yeah, maybe show a, in a little, yeah, in a little while. And... We, I don't know how this is going to go. We, we have Remkus de Vries, who's going to be introduced by Matchek. So, uh, so Remkus, uh, before our, before the, before we started, uh, said that he has a new role at Serveball. He's working there as a Steve Jobs with sex appeal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, this is the official right, title, right? Not the official <laughs> title, no doubt. Tell us, tell no. us, Renfus, in your own words, who you are and what you do. What is your new role? Um, I uh, so this actually uh, changed in uh, late October last year. I switched from a position at Servold from. Uh, uh, focusing on partners and marketing, mostly to focusing on people and also still marketing and uh, and uh, and partners. But uh, head of people is the official role now, and the main reason for this is we're we're hiring essentially, we're growing, we're growing fast, and we need people. So that uh, that deserves a concerted effort. Yeah, nice. You can check that out at servebolt.com. And over there, you'll find lots and lots of information about what they, what they provide and why they are different. But thank you for joining us today, Remkus. Let's just have a quick look, see if there's anybody joining us. Peacha, Peacha, Neri, she's... Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> she's there. We've also got Elliot. Elliot, thank you. Thanks for joining I'm us. Hello. Asking. That's right. Um, we've got Courtney, who says hello to you. And that's me. We've got Maya from GoDaddy. Peter who joins us regularly. He's in the US and Peter says she's already signed up to WPL. So there you go. Thank you. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and Remkus. Yeah. Very good. See, we're all, we're yeah, all good. aficionados. 
Okay, let's get stuck into what we're doing today. This is our website, wpbuilds.com, blah, blah, blah. There's links, buttons, things you can press, <laughs> forms you can fill out and put your name into, and we'll send you stuff about WordPress, but don't want to dwell on that. What we want to do is talk about WordPress and the people of WordPress. This is the first bit we got this week. This is over at Jean-Baptiste Audras. I apologize if I have butchered that name as well, but I will put some show notes together but which will come out tomorrow. And this is a little survey. I think he's been doing it for, he, she, I don't know, has been doing it for several years. And it's kind of a nice little breakdown with graphics about who is contributing to make the WordPress project. If memory serves, because I read this last week, this is simply about core contributions, nothing else. So it's not talking about, you know, marketing or any of the other teams. It's simply what is committed to core translations and so on yeah it's just the core stuff thanks for because yeah and uh, i think it's quite interesting and focusing on 5.9 which has obviously just hit us i'll just go through a few top line statistics which i thought was interesting and then you can you can fill us in you guys about whether you thought you know whether you thought this was a representation that was laudable something to be changed something to be you know modified in some way 624 people coming from 54 different countries, from 159 different companies. That's the kind of bottom line. Uh, if you can go and find this, you'll see these nice little graphics where they put everything in easy-to-consume circles. So the graph that we're looking at at the moment, for example, is country racking by number of contributions. And I bet you can't figure out what the number one country was in terms of contributions. Well, it was the US, 1,169. And then it kind of drops off pretty quick after that, to be honest. In second place, it looks like it was Russia with 200 and, no, 330. In third place was Australia, which is, considering the population of Australia, is, is a pretty mean feat, I think. I think the last time I checked, it was about 20 million, roughly something like that. Um, and the United Kingdom was 243, and it, you know, we, we can dwell on that more. And then they, um, then they moved on, there was more, more information about that, but then we move on to the different companies or people company rankings and you may, the graph is pretty dominated by one company called automatic who had a total of 1787 contrib contributions followed closely by uh remkes's former workplace yoast remkes is that a culture that like that must have been incredibly deliberate right it can't have happened by accident no 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 it's uh it is by design and by intent. Um, Yoast as a company has a contributing back as, as one of the highest virtues uh, within the company, besides the actual uh, things that they do. Uh, and they do a tremendous job at it. Um, um, they organize, uh, uh, so they had the Yoast contribution day uh, the other week. Uh, so they organize all of these different events and internally um, as well. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of things happening at Yoast to uh, help build a WordPress project. Yeah, so automatic comes in first, one seven eight seven. Then it's Yoast, and they really do dominate that chart. And then the next one, hmm, I think is Who Done It at one seventy, Bluehost at one six five, and curiously, an individual came in uh, in fifth position. And Remkes, you, you know you know more about this than I did. This can you. Can you say the name for me? 
Juliette. Thank you. Um, who Juliette Reinders Holmer. So, uh, as far as I know, because that was the case, and I haven't checked with her recently, but uh, I believe she was mostly hired by Yoast to uh, uh, give back to the project in uh, in 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 various stuff. But one of the things that she is highly active on is the, the unit testing. Yes, because she's one of the creators of the Polyfill library that is introduced yeah. now into the unit testing. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. So she in a little bit and bridges it, and yeah. Oh. In a sense, the the contribution of Yoast because she's sort of seconded. That's probably the wrong word, but you you know what I'm trying to say. Um, the contribution from Yoast, financially at least, anyway, is significantly bigger than it looks like here. If that status quo that you described when you were there still exists. Anyway, curious yeah. that the there's t really two big players there, and then it and then it falls off into the sort of mid hundreds and then low hundreds and then it drops off significantly and the graph is surrounded to, by hundreds of smaller companies yeah but to be honest the third place is kind of interesting because if i remember this is a very small agency this whodunit or how do you pronounce it yeah whodunit yeah yeah yes if, if, if i remember the, the they are a very small agency and they are when it comes to let's say contributions per people who are working uh, at, at the company uh, are are in the first place because even automatic doesn't have such such, such a ratio of contributions per, uh, per per employed person. Yeah, I see what you mean. So automatic at the minute is I think it's about fourteen hundred people, something like that. And uh, whoever who done it is, forgive me, um, I should probably have done that research in before we started, but never mind. They they have a t a, roughly a tenth of the contribution base there, but obviously you're saying they probably don't have 140 employees. It's just a handful. So, you know, they're really punching above their weight. Uh, and then it goes on, you know, then they break it out in a different way. And then they talk about individual people who are worthy of mention. So, for example, Tonya. Uh, Sergey and what have you. Lots and lots of interesting stuff here. But I want to just pull it back to that one there, the big one that we were looking at a minute ago. There's, there's this conversation which keeps coming around about the people that get to design WordPress are the people who can kind of afford to show up. And oh. I'm going to drop that bomb and then I'm going to back away and see if anybody wants to take the hand grenade into their hands and talk talk more about that. In and, other words, do we keep the pin in or do we, do, do we pull it out? I think you can decide whether <laughs> you want to pull the pin out or not. But it I was just... To, I want, uh, go on, you, you, you lead. Go for it. Now, I first wanted to comment on the number of automaticians because the number of contributions from Automatic is 1787, if I remember. Yep, uh, and and that's roughly how many automaticians there are. So there are seventeen hundred plus. Okay, uh, that's significantly bigger than my memory told me. Okay, so you're saying there's a ratio of about one to one. Okay, so that's what this looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, is that right? Can that because, for instance, I know, I, I mean, don't we all? But I know quite a few, um, for instance, happiness engineers. Who I know do not contribute to their core. No, no. So, I, so in, in in actual people contributing, it's going to be less. But there are seventeen hundred plus automaticians, and that's roughly what the uh, what the number says here as well. So you could translate it to one on one. Uh, 
the reality, of course, is that it's a subset of it. Um, yes. Come. Uh, no, I was going to say to 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 answer your question in terms of uh, who decides where WordPress's future goes, uh, and in terms of who 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 uh, uh, who shows up. I don't think that we can derive that from this particular graph, even though it looks like it is. But I think it's more of a uh, I don't think it's causality per se. I do think it's the case, but that's I think probably because the uh, our fearless leader is in that group. The um, I guess the argument is often made that if you like, let's say for example that you are working at oh I don't know just a, several of the the several hosting companies there, and you've got very big budgets. Some people would say, would it be would it be nice to see their circle growing over the next few years? And also, I, I guess people are, have concerns that if you are in one of the bigger circles, do you get do you get more of a voice? Are there kind of like back channels that? that exist and I genuinely have no idea whether there's any truth in that or not but the whole process of if you can afford to put people can you push the agenda of what's going to be coming in WordPress I don't know sadly my circle doesn't exist I don't know if you can push the agenda I don't know if you can push the agenda I think you can contribute to the agenda I think that's Mm, a difference there's a difference yeah Courtney Uh, says the next graphic down on the post there's more thorough quality of people per did 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 you mean this one? I wonder, Courtney. I don't know if you yeah. did. I won. Did she? Do you think that one? Do you know what I would like to see? I think it would be amazing if these companies actually sponsored independent contributors who are freelance people who don't work for any company, and they give up their time that and they suffer from it. Because I I know I've gone from being a contributor that wasn't sponsored by anyone to being sponsored. And it made a huge difference for me. I I don't contribute to the core. My contribution is completely different. I'm not doing this. But I know that uh, now I'm part of those that are are sponsored by a company. And therefore, I am able to say, okay, I'll I'll create a talk or I'll I'll go to this work camp and so on. I'll give up my time. I, I contribute. I'm one of the organizers at Work in Valencia I, and the meetup here. But I know that it takes up my time, but I'm, I'm not fully sponsored, not at all, but at least I'm helped. And what worries me, uh, I mean, do you, um, I, I imagine that you all know uh, Morton Rand Hendrickson, and I very much stand with, he's the one who first said he wrote an article. Um, Basically, I think the title is more or less open source is just done by those who can afford to show up. Because if you're a freelance person with who makes money by selling their time, it can become really quite hard to contribute to the project. And it's um, limited, yeah. It's limited. And I and then what happens when companies I are um, bought but might much bigger conglomerates who may as you say, Rankers, they may not lead the agenda, but they definitely then have voice to steer it. So I feel like that's what I would like to see. I would like to see companies actually sponsoring independent uh, uh, players that don't want to keep their independence. That's, I think, what would help. I would love to see that too. But given that we've been saying, and not we, but 
a larger group of we have been saying this for years. Um, it's only happening sporadically. I can't. Well, maybe we should yeah. sponsor it more. Maybe we should talk about it more. Maybe, I mean, I know I can be an agent of change in my own small way by talking to the companies I collaborate with. One of them is obviously Cloudways. And I know that Cloudways sponsor their own employees for the project. They do that. They sponsor, sponsor me. So they are behind the project. I really believe in it because they have so many WordPress users that are their clients. Therefore, they're committed mm -hmm. to it. So I can be, I can try and be an agent of change by going to Cloudways and saying, what about this? Would you consider doing this? And then see what they say. Why not? We could, we can at least try. And of course, you know, I put myself first. R random, but slightly related question. Is there enough? <laughs> I don't even know if these words ought to exit my lips, but here we go. Is there <laughs> enough in incentive um, to contribute and what i mean by that is do do certain people let's say did would you feel like you'd want more off the back end of it in other words it's very nice with all this philanthropic stuff going on and it's for the benefit of the community and the code gets better and the project gets stronger and it grows and it grows i wonder if some people want more in terms of like a commercial almost like a sponsored arrangement you know i will contribute to you if you show my ad on your platform or I will pay for somebody to contribute so but I want a tangible thing in return I want to be able to point to the thing and say that's what I'm getting back I I feel I'm sure there's folks I'm sure there's folks that uh, would have an agenda like that but I don't think that's where we need to go no and I don't think that's actually what drives this project no no hopefully I, I mean it, it sounds like it would sorry now I run okay, silent. Go on, go on. Now, I was going to say the, the philanthropic, philanthropic uh, part of it, I think, for me at least, uh, and for many that I know, is just that, uh, helping others forward without having a personal agenda. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it just flows back to me anyway, so... I'll just point out this chart, which Courtney mentioned, felt, felt it was a sort of slightly better representation, perhaps. She said, uh, what did she say? I think the next graph, which is the one I'm about to show, um, graphic down the post, is more thorough on quantity of people per employee. So here we go. This says, of the 159 identified companies that contributed to WordPress 5.9, Automatic had by far the most contributors with 83 people. Tenop and Yoast are the second biggest with 11 each. RT Camp, Multidots come third with six people each, and so on and so forth. So it's just a really interesting breakdown of who makes the project happen. You can find it at Jean-Baptiste Audras, A-U-D-R-A-S, dot com, and the piece itself is entitled uh, WordPress 5.9 Core Contribution Statistics. So if you're interested in that and you want to know. I think it's really nice. Visualis visualization of data is fascinating. It's These look like the same charts that Matt had at the State of the Word. Um, I don't know if these are the charts that Matt had at State of the Word, but they look very, like right down to the color scheme and where everything is actually positioned. I could, maybe I'm misremembering that. But anyway, let's move on, shall we? Let's talk about something else. Let's talk, <laughs> whilst we're talking about philanthropic, this um, WP Engines piece, I, I don't know where these numbers come from, but the numbers, I, I was captivated by them because the numbers were just so jolly big. 
So this is WP Engine. It's a post entitled The Value of WordPress. So, you know, there's a philanthropic side, but also, obviously, many of you are in WordPress and you have your business. There needs to be a sort of financial side as well. Here we go. Let's talk about WordPress in numbers in terms of money. The WordPress economy, apparently, wait for it. Just make sure your jaw is like firmly held so it doesn't slap on something as, as you hear this number. 597 billion US dollars. That's what they think it would be. And just to give you some perspective on that, if WordPress, and I'm quoting, if, Word, if the WordPress economy were equivalent to the market cap of a company, it would rank 10th amongst the largest companies worldwide. Again, I don't know where these numbers come from, but I'm just reading them off the WP Engine website. Um, and it would, if the WordPress economy were a country, right, take this in, it would rank as 39th in the world, according to the IMF list of countries by GDP. Now, make of that what you will. Obviously, it's not all in the hands of any individual or company. It's spread out over thousands of different entities. Nevertheless... It's pretty staggering amounts of money, you know, 0.6 of a trillion dollars, pretty much a large amount of money. Any thoughts on this? Does this give you, does this make you excited? Does it, do you have no, you know, no, no cause for concern here? Is it just, I mean, oh, the, 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 the only thing that is a bit concerning that on the one hand, we see uh, that we are the 10th biggest company if you would sum up everything and the other hand there are so many places where no one want to pay for pay, pay the contributors for example how how many troubles there were with documentation team uh, or with other teams with sponsoring people to to do to do stuff so yes companies are earning a lot of money but in many cases it doesn't comes back to the community there are really a lot of companies that are doing great job for example yoast because yoast is really really remarkable when it comes to to giving back from what they earned uh but on the other hand we saw that on this graph uh, i couldn't sell companies that benefit uh, benefit a lot. For example, I couldn't see Elementor, hmm. who is. So, and, if you compare uh, this data with what we just saw, as in terms of how the stuff is broken down into, what does it actually mean per company or sort of? Because it's, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it, it to me it's mm -hmm. it's a guesstimate. We have no oh, yes, proper true. way of knowing if it's if it's 0. 0.6 or uh, maybe 0. 0.3. Uh, either way, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's such a large number that it becomes very hard to connect it to anything. Uh, yeah. And what, uh, what Machik is saying, if, if you can't connect it to, what does that actually mean? Like, where is the money? And how much of that company, because it's companies eventually, how much of that is actually flowing back to the project? So that, that's the interesting part. And that, I think the larger question there is there's, there's us in the inner community, there's a large layer around it, and then there's this huge void of small clients or even very large clients that we have absolutely no idea about because they just don't interact with the community. So it's That's true. It's very hard to determine anything from these numbers other than, you know, at 50%, it, they still be impressive. That's, that's my take. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, the numbers are very, very big. The um, but it's also too big to, to yeah. grasp. Yeah, that's right. I literally have no conception of what that kind of money could purchase. You know, no, but it, you need you need some kind of breakdown in the, what it. How are you calculating? Yeah, that that is what I would like to yeah. have seen. But I, th- I thought I thought I'd mention it anyway because even if, like you say, um, Rem, because even if it's fifty percent correct and the numbers are just half as big, it's still a, a gigantic ecosystem that we're all swimming in. The the projected growth comes a little bit later down. I'm showing it on the screen now, and they again I don't know where this comes from. Presumably by looking into the past and extrapolating into the future, the projected increase of six point five percent in 2021 means that that total would in fact rise up to 636 billion, and it would appear, according to whatever data they've gathered, 68 percent of WordPress users plan to increase their use in the CMS in 2021. I think that probably should say 22. Um, 89% of users expect WordPress community to keep growing over the next five years, which is amazing. And 45% of organizations that use WordPress plan to increase it. Again, probably 2022. My point being, we seem to have almost infinite growth. In the time that I've been in WordPress, which is about, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years, something like that, the the numbers always get better. The numbers have never crescendoed or plateaued or declined. Every time I read a number, it's a better number than the previous occasion. I was quite curious that this week, Facebook, for the first time, posted like a stall. in. It was like the tiniest, tiniest difference between what they had last year or month or what they had this month. Anyway, the point was there was total chaos in Facebook stocks when it went a tiny little bit backwards. We don't have to worry about that in that sense, but I am just curious. There must be a moment because you can't have a hundred and one percent of the internet. Um, no. When isn't there in the latest post by Joost uh, de Falk about his CMS shares? Didn't he indicate that the growth is somewhat flattening? Oh, now that is interesting. I, I think he okay. did. If I, oh. I, 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 it's been a few weeks since I read it, but. I think he mentioned something along the lines of it is not growing as uh, as steep anymore. Uh, it's still growing, but the, the the curve of growth is just ever so slightly. Uh, I I think beginning to end up with what the natural uh, number is going to be, and maybe that's forty five, maybe that's fifty. I don't know, but it's not going to go on to sixty seven. I'm going to be chicken little. The sky is falling in. I'm going to start a Joomla podcast. It's all over. Uh, the, <laughs> no, it's just, oh, Joomla. It just fascinates me that it's just kept growing. And it, maybe I just arrived at the inflection point where it just took a, a sharp upswing. I know it was growing a long time before then, but it, it, really the numbers, when, when you get did into you the 40s of the percent of the internet, that is that's breathtaking. That's really stacked. So that's that. That's still not a fair representation because it is measured. So the part of it is I don't I don't know what that total number is. It's either ten thousand or one hundred thousand. Yeah, but it's I think it's ten. An X yeah. amount of sites, mm-hmm. and then the percentage of that on is that is WordPress. And this is again, this is playing with numbers. This is uh, how can I lie with statistics, but then not intend to have a lie here. But we have no idea what happens outside of those, that ten percent or. Or that, those 10,000 or 100,000. We have no idea. Uh, the only party that would know is uh, the WordPress project. Hmm. 
they could, if they wanted to, extrapolate that from all the data that they have. Because I, I everybody, everybody's WordPress site is phoning home at some point, and then you still have your internal stuff as well. So maybe add five percent to it, but then you will get a number that is saying something because these these percentages. Yeah. Has anybody got the number for the WordPress project? I'll just give them a quick call and <laughs> and yeah. Uh, they could just tell us off on, the bat. On, on the other hand, the uh, right. Press Gazette just published an article about uh, news websites that are using different CMSs, and WordPress uh, declined a bit during this year. So huh. while it was growing in the in, in the online uh, newspapers uh, for for many years, this year there was a very small but a decline. Also. There is one more thing that we also have to remember that uh, I'm not sure how does this guessing which CMS is used work works because uh, we are using more and more headless approaches and sometimes WordPress can be hidden in a very good way. So there is a chance that yeah, some of the websites uh, that are marked as uh, other are WordPress. I still think that's a very, very small percentage given the total, but you're right. That's also one of the things that uh, muddies the water in terms of what are we looking at. I, I think it's yeah. an, uh, primarily a great marketing method that we have. Let's focus it, on the percentage of a small niche group mm -hmm. and use that as a metric. But it, the reality is we have absolutely no clue. It's very big numbers and they're scary big. And, but it gives me some sort of confidence, at least anyway, um, that people who can put together big numbers are making them big, and it makes me feel, yes, I should be part of this ecosystem. It's, it's yeah, growing. Your podcast is safe. That's, oh, that's right. Thank goodness yeah. for that. Uh, okay, let's just say a few hellos. Hello, Darren. Hello, Darren Pinder. Nice for you to join us. I don't know that I've uh, met you before, but nice to nice to see you and daniel thanks for joining us again nice to see you max coming back to the point we had a little bit ago where we were talking about contributing and who does what says the there is the code level of contributing but in the future you'll be able to contribute patterns photos and designs or blocks yeah good point it would appear that the the photo library is kind of growing a little, fairly steady right I, uh, I myself am a lousy photographer, so I'm not going to be uploading my photos, but that would be one way that I could I've got one that. in. Have you? What was it of? I don't remember. <laughs> it, I, I'm going to upload. I've got a, Steve Jobs. <laughs> are you, Peter? Are you a keen photographer, or are you just going to just put your... You know, I, it, used to be, it used to be one of my main streams of income. I used to have, well, I still have lots of photos on uh, Shutterstock. I took them down from other sites because at some point I was really upset by the uh, exploitative system. So they usually, they pay you 20p to, if, if an image costs $1, I get 20, they get 80, which is... Ew. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Even sometimes when you start, it's probably more like 10 to 90. But I left them up in websites that made it difficult for me to destroy the portfolio. So just out of laziness, I haven't taken them off everywhere. But they're my photos. I can put them wherever I want. So yeah, yeah. 
There's Michelle saying hi from New York. She uh, she has contributed hey, quite a lot of the photos, I think, because she's a very keen photographer. I think quite a few of them actually are hers. Peachy, you would be happy with that approach. Obviously, at some point in the past, you wish to turn your photos into revenue. You want to upload them somewhere where I you did. would get... I did, yeah, yeah, they were, but, I mean, yeah. Have you moved to a point where those exact same photos, you would now be happy to just put them up there because it's it's not what you primarily do now? You'd be okay with that? It's more that if I'm making 20p on each of them, I'd rather give them away yeah. for free. Yeah. But what I, and also some, um, they're, they're old now. They're like from 10 years ago or more. So it's, I'm, I'm, I don't feel possessive anymore. But what I would need to do, I guess, is really take them off the paid sites. I think, I don't think, I don't know if I can, if it's ethical or logical to offer them as pay, paid for on right. some sites and free on others. Yeah. So I'd have to, but there's literally, there's, I think Shutterstock is all right, but there's another site that I'm on that's called Dreamstime that it literally wants me to delete. I have thousands, like 2,000, maybe more. And they, the only way for me to de deactivate my portfolio is to take each image off, delete each image one by one. I was like, <laughs> But that's no I mean, I just, I am, you're, I'm, so I'm held captive by Dreamstime because I could not be bothered to do that. I mean, who could? Yeah. So maybe, maybe if you uh, close your account down entirely, you, you can't. Peter, you, you know what? Basically, there's no. I mean, I don't know if it's changed now, but I remember getting so upset that I had to just leave it, put it aside because it was just angering me too much. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, it's you can imagine. Funny. You know what this is, Peter? This is a dark pattern. It very it's, much is a very dark pattern. Peter and I are doing very this show dark. every month called the, the, the WP Builds UI UX show. And one of the things that we want to get Peter talking about is dark patterns. And that's a really good one where, like, we'll make it really hard for you to get off our platform. Apparently, I don't know how true this is because I've never tried it. Apparently, it's really hard to erase your Facebook data. And I don't mean hard yeah, as exactly. in That's... impossible. I mean hard as in just a multitude of steps that you've got to go through in, in the correct order if you want to make that certain. That's what Robert Keynes is saying right now. Sounds like being captive by Facebook. And also I used to have a, a pre I have a previous Facebook account that I simply am not using anymore. And I tried to download my archive because there's years and years and I was not able ever, because in, in theory, you are able to download your archive. And, uh, but you're not. I can't. I, they never let me. I don't even know whether I'd be able to get back into it now. I've been... So anyway, yeah, dark patterns. Can I make the appeal, uh, Nathan? Yeah, so Obviously, we're doing our own uh, research. But if one of the things that we would like is if, if you come across dark patterns, and that's any annoying any clickbait any annoying thing that gets you wants you to do something that you didn't want to do online or in an email or anything like that please let us know send us screenshots or urls or whatever and then we'll we'll talk about it on the show because we're on a mission to end dark patterns <laughs> <laughs> so last time we last time I, I took Nathan and the audience through what it's like to try and book a flight with Ryanair. And oh the, the, my you goodness. Know, the innumerable rings of fire 
that they have you jump through. So things like that. This is our show. I didn't mean to stray into this, but as you've raised it, I've put it on the screen. It's um, wpbuilds.com forward slash UI. And we've got a dark dark patterns field here now if you come across a dark pattern i sent you one earlier in the week picture i don't know if you got it on yeah yeah i did the, the well, other hope- platform that we communicate on and uh and it was really really annoying <laughs> but this seems to be more and more anyway that so i was actually different. thinking that because that form nathan obliges you to submit a website as well maybe you sh- we should explain that people can use it even just for the dark pattern only and so not make that okay. field okay. required. I will make because that a non-required field. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. I can do that. I was deliberately making it awfully difficult to fill out. You know, I was really hoping that people would stumble at the last hurdle and the form would remain <laughs> empty. Dark, exactly. It was a dark exactly. pattern. It was really dark. Um, okay, I think we're done with the ginormity of the WordPress um, ecosystem. Right, this, I think this is fabulously interesting. You may think I'm a nerd, but I love this. So I don't know how this came in my direction. I think this was Twitter, and I follow Matt Mullenweg, and he doesn't post on Twitter very much, and so when, when I see them, I, I look at them. And he, he was, I think he was retweeting um, somebody called Joel Spolsky, and I, I could have got the, nurse, the surname wrong there. I think that's right. Um, who is the founder of all sorts of amazing stuff online, like Trello and Stack Exchange. And he was saying that he's, he wants to build, or I say he, I'm guessing his organization, through this website called blockprotocol.org, wants to build in interoperability between blocks everywhere on the internet so at the moment if you imagine it your your blocks in your wordpress website well that's where your block lives everything inside that block belongs there and it's not going anywhere it's staying there and he wants to make an open standard so that any block of any kind not just wordpress any kind on the internet can communicate in some way shape or form he wants to flesh out this this protocol so blockprotocol.org is the premise. I mean, if I'd have made this website, nobody take it seriously because I'm an idiot. But him doing it, it kind of makes me think, hmm, I think maybe this is a fairly serious, a serious endeavor. So much so that Matt then retweeted something along the lines of, yeah, we should we should get together and start to talk about this. So I don't know. I don't know if this is something that excites you. I love the idea of stuff on my website being able to be somewhere else. It just seems fabulous. Seems amazing. I, I have to work out because I'm not as clever as you. No, I'm. Mm. Let's let's go round maybe because <laughs> no. we're sort of cross talking. Let's go with Remkus to start yeah. there. So I, I think it's an interesting premise. Um, it, it 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 in uh, in many ways will be the the thing that merges the internet together. Because if, if everything is a block, and, and a block is just a concept, but if everything is a unit of data that is interchangeable with any other type of CMS or platform, because that really ought to be a platform as well then, uh, then the next step is a collection of blocks. And then what do we need a CMS for? Uh, well, that will be the flavor, right? That will be your, your preferred way of working with the blocks. Um, I, yeah, I, yeah, I like that concept. I like that concept very much. 
Well, um, especially if you could, if it was interoperable to the point where you could just sort of flip and flop between CMSs. I've got a friend who's building a website and he constantly flips between WordPress and other things. Um, mm -hmm. And and each time it's a it's a land in the line in the sand. You have to sort of start again. But if you could sort of just take the blocks that you've got on one platform and push them somewhere else. Uh, you know, CMSs are one thing, but it could be anything, couldn't it? It could be like your content management so system or your CRM or whatever it might be. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit about the uh, indie web movement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, it, it's on a different level because they are more about uh, from one web, uh, from one website communicating to another website. But I think, in essence, there's a similarity in wanting to be interconnected in all the ways. Um, so if you combine this with indie web, now there's something interesting. That would mean we can actually start to get rid of, uh, uh, you know, the company that shall not be named anymore, but the one who lost 25% uh, of their, uh, their worth over uh, an accounting uh, thingy. Um, I... I, I, I think it's an interesting um, approach. Um, it's going to take a lot of years, but it's an interesting approach to, for, for also for independence, I guess. Yeah. Maciek, have you got any thoughts on this? I mean, it struck me that this was right up your street. Yeah, this is because this sounds really, really interesting. And I totally agree with, uh, with, with Rankus that this would really connect the whole web together it would be like amazing the problem is with all the standards uh many companies likes to have their own standards uh, yeah we know about many companies that prefer to uh, to close the apis and start doing things their own way uh or let's take a look at uh, at wordpress we even have our own coding standard, which no one else uses. And for some reason, we are sticking with it. And uh, this is the thing I would be a bit afraid of that. Okay, let's say that 10 years from this point, the, the block protocol is on. It's working. Many companies has adopted it. And I'm sure we would have block protocol WordPress edition. This is something that frightens me a bit. So, 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 so I'm afraid that, for example, Gutenberg would uh, would be a hybrid of, let's say, this block protocol at Gutenberg itself, which, in result, would, didn't work as it should because everyone of the same standard. But uh, still, I'm I'm really uh, keeping my fingers crossed because this is something. Uh, that it's not only a beautiful, the beautiful idea, but also the fact uh, that the Joel really did some amazing things, and he's really a known person over the internet. So maybe, maybe he will push the project, and uh, maybe it will work. We'll see. When um, when they were inventing like the railway system in the UK you know, like a hundred years ago or something, there was no protocol for how big the rails should be. And so oh. you would basically get to a station and the train, no, which should just carry on in a straight line, you had to swap the train because the wheels were of a different size. And so it went on for decades, is my understanding, until somebody said, look, this is enough. 
we need a protocol for how big the trains are. And so that was that. And I imagine the same thing kind of happened with the networking and the switching on the internet. You know, you could imagine every country having a totally different IP stack or something, but somebody thankfully got in there and said, no, this is how TCP IP is going to work. All the packets are going to be moved in this way. That's that. Um, And wouldn't it be nice if content data could be treated in the same way as, well, trains, that's the best analogy I've ever made in my life. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts I know it hurts. Oh, dear. But uh, there you go. <laughs> but, yep, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if five years into the future we could look back at this moment and say, actually, that was the moment where everything became interoperable. I think you're right, um, Matchek. I, I think it's got he's, – he's a guy that maybe could do it, but history shows, doesn't it? It's not easy to do. How, how long have we had the block editor? <laughs> two two and a bit years is it three yeah, yeah. three uh 26 yeah. yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah it's not mm. gonna happen nathan no it's not well gonna happen in uh, five years i'm if gonna happen, um... it's, it's 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 in in like a, a decade uh type thing okay unless unless matt actually again uh, uh we talked about agendas earlier uh, if this suddenly appears on the agenda It'll happen faster, but it's um, uh, it's 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 a beautiful idea. I like what it proposes. I like what options it pre- it presents. But yeah. go check it out anyway. It is blockprotocol.org, and you can see that you know they've got the usual documentation, specifications, and stuff. And if this stuff excites you, I think it's worth having a look at. Um, all right, from something interesting to i don't know if this is interesting or just really frustrating um i don't know where everybody sits on gdpr whether it's a good thing whether it's bitten you whether you find it to be a pain depending on where your jurisdiction is but this week uh, sarah gooding tells us that a german court has fined a website owner so you know i'm sure that's pretty much all of us a website owner because they were using Google hosted fonts. And you kind of think to yourself, what? How does that work? Well, it turns out that the the IP address, and I think specifically the IP address, nothing more, um, was of the person viewing the website was taken over to the United States. And although the fine was very small, it was a hundred euros, which I'm guessing was you know, maybe just a judge's way of saying, okay, let's see how this progresses in the future. The fact is somebody got fined and is probably having to modify things in the future because the GDPR does not allow this. But I wonder how many of us didn't know that the GDPR didn't allow this, but also whether or not some of us think, okay, is an IP address worth it? I know that's the rules. So I'm opening it up. I'm going to throw the grenade again. Yeah, I'm, and I'm pulling the pen this time. You pull it, go on, really hard. Yeah, <laughs> Throw yeah. it right in. The... So uh, I had an interesting uh, uh, discussion with uh, uh, Matt. Uh, sorry, Matt, forgot your last name right now. Uh, last week, essentially about this, where... Um, so there's a different approach of uh, what is an IP address in terms of how does it become a private thing? And my logic was very simple. If it can be traced to the whereabouts of someone, it can be traced back to who that person is. It's as simple and straightforward as that. 
Yeah. And yeah. if that is the case, it is privacy and it falls on the GDPR. There's no, there's no two ways about it. You can make it two ways about it because uh, Matt Cromwell, there you go. Remember the name. Uh, you can make it about more or less, but in all actuality, it allows you, and there's various techniques of doing so, to pinpoint who that person on the internet is. There's, if that wasn't the case, then IP addresses wouldn't matter in terms of if a police uh, member uh, comes to your house and knocks on the door and says, hey, we just noticed that you were downloading an illegal movie. How do you know? Well, we have the IP address, and thus we have found you. So it, it's, it's a non-discussion trying to make that in a non-privacy thing. It is a privacy thing, period. It's interesting that in the article, they're quoting from the, um, the, the, the case. It says, and I'll quote, the defendant violated the plaintiff's right to informational self-determination by forwarding, and this is the interesting word, the dynamic IP address. So it, it wasn't a fixed IP address or anything. Like that. It was just dynamic, but obviously matter. the ISP can totally link that to you 100% of the time. They know who you are. But it is and it's curious. Not the ISP. Yes, yes. Just the ISP. Yes, yes. It is way more than just the ISP. Yeah, that's a good point. These, um, I feel that the debate feels like it's taking shape in different ways in Europe and in North America. Um, it feels that it's going in different directions. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, a very small fine, I guess, 100 euros, not too much, but presumably just a sort of warning shot across some bows. Of course, the... The solution is fairly straightforward. You could you could just download the Google font and have that on your own website, and that's possible. Of course, there's I a guess plugin it's, for that. Right, there's always a plugin for that. But yeah, the the GDPR oh, Google doesn't plugin. the plugin will once connect with uh, with Google fonts. Yes, it but it downloads <laughs> it, and your website yes, serves. But- but yeah. once, your website, but your once website makes the it, connection. Yeah, yes, I guess. True, but still, once it breaks the GDPR. Oh, once, I see. Yeah. The Ooh. moment that you download, it it's only once. And uh, No, no, no. But you as a website, you, your website, your server, downloads the Google Forms. So that's not disclosing an IP address for anyone. For a private. user. It for depends user. where is your server. This, but it's still not the user. Really it's dependent. still not the. Why? Well, so it's the website I, I, that I, connects, not the user. Yeah, Max, I can see uh, this Max from both points of view, actually. But I mean, this is the other thing you could do case, is just use really, it. Come on. Yeah, this is a really edge case when, uh, for example, using a static website, building everything in local, downloading and pushing it back. So for a moment, you break the GDPR. Like I said, an edge case. But overall, this whole case. Uh, this whole case of uh, GDPR and uh, American companies, because the Google fonts is, is not the only problem right now. We only have the problem with Google oh. Analytics, with 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 Austria, with Austria ruling, and Germany is uh, probably going and to to second this. So and the plugin, much much closer to home, also touches this. Exactly. We have we have a Kismet, we have a Gravatar. Yeah, so we, I really did. Oh yes, throw the grenade in, saw, didn't I? <laughs> I already saw that there is uh, 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 an issue posted about uh, Gravatar 
uh, breaking the GDPR. So it does. It does. So I think I, uh... yes, it does. Of course, yeah. it does. Yeah. So so uh, so overall, this will be this will be very very interesting uh, when it comes to to what will be happening on the line between between the American companies or even hosting things on uh, servers owned by American companies and Europe and GPR. This will be really, I think it will be really big and it can evolve in, in different ways. The, the article, which I'll put back on the screen just temporarily, um, goes on to make the point that the, the fine of 100 euros is, is really just a drop in the ocean because the I can't remember the numbers that they talked about, but the potential for you to be fined for this violation is kind of business-ending amounts of money. You know, it, it could go through the roof. I'm guessing that in most cases you would. I'm you sure would. there is some company that's going to think, hey, I can make money off of this and start uh, suing companies. Suing. And make a, yeah. Uh, yeah, what do they sure call that? Ambulance happen. chasing or something where the yeah. lawyer's have a department where they go and find violating websites, package it up in a script and go and robot the internet to figure out who's got Google fonts or whoever it might be. Yeah, really, really interesting. Sorry, Peachy, I think we've locked you out of this debate. What do you think? No, that's all right. I was listening intently because I don't know enough about it and therefore Rankus's explanation was uh, very useful to me yeah. because... I mean, in terms of the GDPR and, and and UX, it has not improved things because now you land on a website and you're like interrupted and upset by a million notices and things. But I had read this news piece of news and I I am grateful that it was explained to me. So but I'm I'm more I'm more sitting here listening and, and learning really. A a quick so, straw poll. Um I would say that three or four times a day I visit a new website and I get the, the the cookie thing, you know, where they want to manage my cookies. And this goes to what you were just saying, Peter. And very often I get the option to manage my cookies, which is usually somewhat smaller button, which is perhaps not even a button. It's just some grayed out text or something. And then I get the Dark big US. fat green accept all cookies button. Honestly, I'm so weary of it. I just, yeah. I just think, oh, I'm just going to click the green button and clear the caches like once in a while. I'm just. I never, I never, never. never. Oh, that's what never, I wanted to hear. Never, right? Ever. Do you never, always ever. click the manage cookies always. button? And do I, you I use read every them and manage password? them? No, no, no. I, you so you you. It depends on if it's a European company doing it or an American company. An American company will have option A, everything. Option B. Maybe nothing, but still some stuff is put in there. But European companies mostly have the same type of cookie consent. Yeah. You click on the alternate link and then you can, the nine out of 10, you have two or three things you uncheck. And then you say, and, and then again, dark pattern, again, it says uh, save or, or uh, allow all. And then you think what I just did is allow all, but what it actually means, yeah. no save preference. It's a small little link it's right, terrible, right above it. So I always terribly designed. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, but I also, we you, are I'm people. Using I'm using Brave but... browser by default to also block a lot of tracking stuff. Right. Uh, I'm going to use stuff. Brave as well. But we are people who understand what we're doing. Think about someone 
like my mother who uses her phone all the time, but she doesn't know what she's doing. She goes into a panic. Yeah. She's like, what is this? What am I doing? What if I'm clicking on the wrong thing? What's going to happen to me? Because we pastor yeah. her not to say yes to things because she gets, you know, lots of, my yeah, so it's, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see a way out of that. I don't know how to, I tried, you know, with, with, with Cloudways, we did quite a few webinars with Ubenda and I tried to get from them, how can we make it better? But the thing is that it's not their job. I mean, their job is to make you no. compliant, not to, not to improve the UX, but that's something that would be very interesting to properly get into. In all honesty, I occasionally I do what you do, Remkus. Very. Oh, sorry, you carry on. No, I was going to say. I think, in all honesty, this needs to be solved by browsers. Browsers, True. and then we have the, Ooh, we totally have the big disadvantage. We have the big disadvantage that the yeah. largest browser that is currently in use is built by Chrome. Uh, now, the Chrome do, engine do you is know, pretty yeah. good, which is why does I use Firefox Dave. offer a kind of template for what cookies you may wish you know in other words is there any protocol mm. for if this you kind can, of cookie do this if this do this or you know any of that uh, it, it, it's possible someone uh, built something for that yeah i don't know i don't i don't i don't check that because i don't i wouldn't trust uh i wouldn't trust it anyway but uh but yeah this is this is this is an extreme dark pattern built upon another dark pattern built upon another dark pattern and this should all just never be in the in the in the face of of anyone. Um, your browser should have settings, and those settings should be honored. Period. Done. Move on. Yeah, that is a. That, do you know? I hadn't even thought about that. That's fascinating. We've got quite a lot of commentary coming in. Thank you, Max, for saying about this. Robert started it off with saying this seems to be the new reality, and then we were specifically talking about the fine for the Google fonts, and uh, Max was saying that he thought that this was a good thing. Um, and then he goes on to talk about Facebook and Google Chrome and so on. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting subject. It's kind of like the it's just a tangled mess, really. And the idea that people like us who are, I am on the internet all the time, and I've just got complete atrophy. Is that the right word? Attrition. Um, I'm just bored of it. I just can't be bothered, Rem, because I wish I was you and I could be bothered to give myself that 20 second window a lot of people, to just go a lot of people have that i know i know even steve jobs apparently wanted I know. to be <laughs> he's never this is this is never going away now room because i'm sorry yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the episode we're done. <laughs> yeah that's right bye -bye. um yeah i think that's a genius idea though if we had the browser take control of it and essentially just socks that problem away i peacher of i've got rid of Chrome off every machine this week. Uh, I found night. it impossible to do that on Android, so I just disabled it. Um, and I'm using Brave, and I've got, I, I'm really happy with it. It's, it's exactly the same as far as I can tell, but without, and I don't know exactly what's going on under the hood, but I've installed a thing called uBlock Origin as well, which you might want to look at, which is a nice little Chrome, well, in this case, Brave extension. Because uh, Brave and Chrome extensions are identical. So, you know, if it's available on Chrome, it's available on Brave. Yeah. And it purports to do a good job of blocking things that I would not like to be. Um, so, but this is helpful for us as users. But what about us as website creators? I know. How do we make it better? Because I'm still, you know, I use Ubenda. But I'm, first of all, I'm never sure that I've done it right, that I have ticked all the boxes that I need to tick. 
And I so, don't think that the people who land on my site are having a good experience. And I just don't know how, I just don't know how to make it better, basically. I, mean, I think one of the important things here is, is to figure out what am I doing on my site that is that important? Do I need to track or do I exactly. just need to know how many visitors I have? Very if good the point. latter is the question, and that's, in my experience, nine out of 10, that's enough. Right? They just want to kind of know what their site does. They're not going to go jump in Google Analytics. They're not going to do the whole funnel thing and landing pages and conversions. They just kind of want to know what's going on. And for those sites, go look at Coco Analytics. It's a beautiful plugin. It just it does everything it needs to do, but it doesn't use any cookies. Coco, as in C O C O. Coco Analytics. K O K O. K O K O. K O K O. Huh? Yeah. Okay. There is also there is also Phantom Analytics and Plausible. There are also yeah, but that's that's more of a Google Analytics comparison, right? If if you still want to have large tracking and everything, then yes, phantom. Oh yeah, that's true. But but let's be honest, uh, there is still a, I think it's 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 a kind of big group of people that would like to know what is happening on their website, uh, and they install Google right. Analytics just to see how many users visited their website during one month. And for cases like right, this, using right. Plausible or phantom would be really enough and they could disable the whole box asking us uh, for for cookie consent it's a good point i would imagine the use case for things like google analytics is just exactly what you said how many people viewed my pages how many times that's all i need ever but who who knows what what is have hidden in that lovely bit of javascript that Google is using oh. to suck information out, you know. Yeah, well, it's I mean, a lot. A lot. A lot. Like, are you wearing glasses yeah. today? Uh, <laughs> Especially. I mean, I, I, I know lots of companies that would really need way more. Well, I mean, is it fair that they get it? I don't know. But they, uh, when you can segment, you can really do, you can really target. And it's not always to oh, sure. lucrative. lucrative aims you know sometimes it's 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 helpful for the user that the companies can segment you and and can so yeah it's yeah i'm going to mention this um from daniel daniel Mm -hmm. schultzmith he says firefox offers complete cookie blocking or rules to block only certain types of cookies under enhanced tracking protection uh daniel i'd add to that and you've probably come across this there's a beautiful firefox extension and i am thinking of making firefox my go-to but i'm not quite there yet seem to have landed on brace it's called multi-account containers um and essentially you say open facebook every time in this container and even if you open up a new tab all the cookies are held in the Facebook container. So all the Facebook cookies live inside of the Facebook container. So I've got a Facebook one, I've got a Twitter one, I've got a, I've got, um, I've got a Spotify one and a Slack container. And the nice thing is you can't make the mistake of opening it up accidentally outside of its container. It will enforce that policy. So I, I think that's quite nice. It's called, just one more time, multi account containers and i think rob kind of sums up the whole problem in one nice little sentence remember nathan the more we block the more we will pay in dollars if there's no cost to you then you are the product yeah i re-watched the social dilemma last week and and i was more alarmed the second time around than i was the first time and it Good, is it's like yeah go on remkus no uh, 
I think the whole privacy concern is uh, people kind of know, but mostly don't care. Yeah. And until you get a full view of what it is they're doing, what it is they're tracking. So even if you don't have a Facebook account, you have a profile. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of that. And it's not just a profile as we kind of think this is, this is, this is the person. No, they, they know you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like all the details you'll, you, I've heard someone say who, who, who had, um, had some insight in it. They said, if you are to make an account, let's say you're 30 and you've never had a Facebook account, but you've been on the internet for 20 years, right? You were to start creating an account. It could fill out all your fields. <laughs> oh. Oh. And if that doesn't scare you, you're not yeah. grasping the concept. Yeah. The, the, I, I always like to draw the analogy that just because you don't use Google's products, it doesn't mean they can't read all your email because basically you're probably sending your email to somebody with a, with a Google account and they, they can look at your email um, and where it's come from, even though you... Yeah. you know, Quite interesting. Oh my goodness me, we've opened. I really did throw the grenade at you this time, and um, it got opened. So, okay, let's move on. We're going to miss out a few because we're going to run out of time if we don't. So, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to plug something. Uh, it's an episode which I think is worth plugging. This is on the the WP Tavern. Do a podcast there. Uh, it's going weekly now. Actually, we started doing it weekly. Just, just like two weeks ago. And so this is the second of the weekly ones. Uh, it's with Amber Hines, and she's talking about website accessibility. The podcast is called Jukebox. And um, we had Amber on talking about accessibility. I know this is like, this is your thing for 2022, isn't it, Peacher, when you're talking about designers yeah. to put accessibility mm -hmm. front and center. It's yeah. 40 minutes of Amber giving us wisdom about what you need to do and how you might best do it. And um, and it was really nice talking to her. So please, if you feel like doing that, you just go over to, actually, what do you go over to? WPTavern.com forward slash podcast. And these featured images are going to get correctly resized at some point in the near future. Mm -hmm. But it's that one. It's the most recent one. It's number 12. There we go. Sorry. Plug. Yeah. Massive plug. So now can I just say one thing? Please do. That uh, last week, or was it the week before? Yeah, I was. I uh, talked at, well, I watched your magic. I watched your uh, webinar, yes. as you know, but I also talked at uh, the first Word, WordPress Valencia, where I live here in Spain, meetup in, in a couple of years. And it was, it was, I tricked them because the title is Design for Conversion. So they all thought it was about design and about, well, it was true. It was about design and it was about how to, make more money but it was all about accessibility in fact in the end so that's an angle that i'm taking plus at the end we the, the even though it was it was online unfortunately still and um it was basically through the comments on youtube but we managed to have a really lively discussion and there were people in the audience saying well what about creativity is creativity uh, than penalized because they want to have things moving and flying across the screen and stuff like that. And so I realized that that's going to be also my next, my take on it, how to be creative and accessible, how to create gorgeous websites that are accessible and how you don't need 
to be inaccessible and do lots of fancy stuff in order to do create gorgeous websites and super interesting experiences, which is what the web is for. Thank you. Yes, That's you mentioned. Also, you you mentioned yes because uh, last week we are uh, we were also doing a webinar about accessibility with uh, Amy Carney, and uh, I can say that. Um, when I said at my company that, hey, let's do a webinar about accessibility. I know that few people were like, really, accessibility, we are, we should be more concentrated on those hardcore uh, development problems. Uh, but I managed, I managed to push the topic of accessibility and it really turned out to be a success. There were many interesting uh, questions. Uh, for example, Picha, your question was, was, was also really great because uh, uh, you asked how to, how to make this, this everything working. The, the, the thing that you already, that, that you're, you're saying you, you are planning to do. Uh, and uh, and really, accessibility is a really important topic, and it's great that more and more people are getting interested in it because uh, yeah. this is. And, and uh, we, we sometimes really don't realize when we will need things related to accessibility in our life. For example, absolutely. our temporary disability, like uh, breaking in an arm. Okay, after. After some time, everything will be back to normal. But for, for some, some time, we just won't be able to operate with, with one arm. In my case, uh, I learned how much my world has changed since we have, since we have a baby. Going around exactly. the city with a stroller, this is all, really, this is a bit like a, partial disability because I have to Absolute. use ramps. It's not a bit like, it's definitely, that's a it typical is, yeah, temporary disability. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and I really learned how ramps can be constructed in a bad way. I really thought this is something so easy, you can't do it wrong. And I was so mistaken. Mm. I have so, so many concepts of ramps gone wrong. Really, it's I think we, I think we could do a, a special episode about uh, black <laughs> patterns in, in in ramps all around uh, one Polish city. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. You, you really? could just pick up the stroller and and, and carry it over. <laughs> it's incredible no, how your perspective oh. changes. Yeah, but you can't always do that. Maybe you're no. you're not as you know strong enough to. Yeah, if you go and look at Remkus's social channel, Remkus loves picking heavy objects up. <laughs> yeah. But also the, the really interesting thing is that because I'm obviously um, looking at it from a design point of view, but it's very much intermingled with code. You can, can't really separate them. But the really interesting things, thing is that if you follow best UX and UI practices, or if you follow, you know, if you follow proper HTML structure or proper typography, you're already almost all the way there. And I'm not exaggerating. Exactly. It really is like that. When I, I'm, I've been looking because I want to do a, a course on accessible typography and I look it up and I go, yeah, that's, that is best practice. I mean, obviously I learn lots of stuff and I, I have to learn what's legal and what's not legal. So I'm, I'm doing all of that, but really best practices often. So it's not that difficult. It really isn't. You can build 
an accessible website quite easily. Brilliant. There was obviously a load more in there than I gave time for. We probably, with hindsight, probably should have given that <laughs> a bit more time. But anyway, there you go. There was a podcast episode. Obviously, there's things over on WP Owls, which you might like to look at as well. Um, brilliant. Okay, we'll, we'll keep it, try and do another 10 minutes and then knock it on there. So I'm going to go through these quickly. Um, tickets are available should you wish to an, be an attendee of WordCamp Europe 2022. It's in in Porto, it's the 10th annual WordCamp of Europe, um, and it's happening the 3rd to the 4th in, yeah, Portugal, Porto, and there's information on the website. It's europe.wordcamp.org um, forward slash 2022 if you want to get those. Okay, um, the next one is just this little interesting thought. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't run a great big company. I certainly don't run two. But if I did run two big companies, I'd find it awfully challenging to flip between one and the other. But this week, Matt Mullenweg's tweet, an interesting one. He's decided, he says, um, I suppose this is a good opportunity to let people know that I'll be running Tumblr personally for a while and it will be my top priority within Automatic. It was, of course, acquired... I don't know, I'm going to make up a number. Two years ago by Automatic. Tumblr's now run by them. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it is part, I don't know how the legal structure is, whether it's part of Automatic or if it's a separate business entity. I have no idea. There is I a ton of opportunity. For, over. Yeah, okay, thank you. That's great to know. Um, the ton of opportunity for improvements in the community. Now, of course, this immediately got some interesting re tweets in reply and just to paraphrase some of them were a bit like does this mean that you won't be leading um wordpress releases in the future but i did think it was quite interesting that he's decided he's gonna take over tumblr personally i confess i have a tumblr account never used it really i think everything's automated so that posts go out automatically but i don't have a lot of interaction over there but my understanding is that those people who use it are real diehard users of it. But anyway, nice problem to have, I guess. Sorry, I'm going to have to take a glass of water. Okay, last couple of things. First one is not controversial at all. This is just brain dead easy. Go and have a look at this. This is a design tool. Came across, I don't know who sent this to me this week. It's called penpot.app. And the idea is, at the moment at least anyway, I don't know if it's intended to be free, but it's an open source design and <clears throat> prototyping platform uh, meant for cross-domain teams. Penpot is web-based and works with the open, open Web Standards, SVG, uh, for all and empowered by the community. So it's an open source design tool. I know there are all so sorts of things. It's a bit like Figma. But well, I was thinking, it, yeah, I mean, I don't really use Facebook, so I don't really know, but it does look like that, doesn't it? I'm look, we're looking at the screenshot, yeah. and it's kind of pre-configured templates and mock-ups for things like mobile phones and what have you. And what, what caught me, really, was that the UI looks really nice and that it's totally free. Um, so I just thought I'd drop it in purely for that. You know, it's maybe a thing worth looking at, but it does look nice. And then it finally... It does indeed. Very interesting. Yeah? Okay. Peter, if you do have a play with it, tell us tell us what your thoughts were next time you um, yeah, next time you definitely, come. definitely. Yeah. Okay, and the last one. This was brought on the show uh, by Matt Check, who this is a piece over. I love this domain, CodaJerk.com. I want that domain. 
codajerk.com, and it's called The Complicated Futility of WordPress. Now, I don't want to butcher it, but Matchek, do you want to introduce why you've dropped it in? What was, what was piquing your interest? Yeah, I, yeah, I overall uh, like to read articles about how WordPress is not what it was and stuff like this. Uh, a lot of them are, are just ramblings, but uh, here I must admit that Dan has some points. I mean, okay, uh, there is a lot of rambling here too, uh, but it is true that uh, WordPress is changing and this change uh, it's rather difficult for uh, for many developers. I think that many developers uh, feel a bit uncertain about uh, where WordPress is going. Are we trying to be the next weeks or Webflow, or are we still going to be the same? Uh, I wanted to say developer friendly environment, but we are a bit also a bit uh, legacy development environment. So uh, like I said, I I understand some points uh, made by Dan about this uncertainty, uh, but um, also uh, I saw a few, few, few comments over, over Twitter, for example, by by Alain, uh, Alain Schlesser, right? Right, I yep. didn't butcher his name, yeah. And um, he also saw some, some things that uh, Dan was right about, especially the fact how Gutenberg is mixing uh, the layer that is responsible for the uh, website, how website looks, and for the data. And uh, so, yeah, there are there are many problems, and uh, and we can see right now that uh, WordPress looks like it's only concentrating on full site editing. Because whenever we look at the latest uh, releases, we only see news about block editor, full site editing. And I understand why PHP developers can feel like, um, like I said, they can feel uncertain about the future. Because it really starts to feel that, but are those PHP things that we have in core and that really require some love for few years already, will there ever be fixed or changed or are we even trying to update the minimal PHP version? What is happening here? Especially when, on the other hand, we are pushing with Gutenberg to be uh, with, with, with almost with the latest versions, we are using uh, package managers. So everything when we, we always heard about uh, PHP stuff that uh, we have to remember about backwards compatibility when it comes to Gutenberg. It doesn't work. So, uh, so yes, overall, it's it's complicated. <laughs> it's really interesting because this is a guy, Dan. Um, I confess, I don't know Dan Divine. I'm going to say is probably his name, but he's obviously got a bit of a love hate relationship with WordPress over the years. It kind of feels like he's been almost forced into liking it, and uh, more recently. Um, he's, 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 this is enough. Gutenberg is enough. That's the line in the sand, which he refuses to cross. And he, he makes this point. Um, so this comes off the Yoast website. Yoast, obviously very bullish, very into Gutenberg and, you know, helped 
create it. Yoast say, full site editing is a huge development for WordPress. The upshot is that you have more control than ever over the design of your site, et cetera, et cetera, more of the same. And then his, his reply, which I really like, the thought of a client-side marketing, of client-side marketing interns playing around with site-wide designs should make the blood of any web professional run cold. Sites that have been painstakingly designed and built, reviewed and refined to the last detail every step of the way with stakeholders on the client side, optimizing UX legibility performance and upholding the client's brand can now be squelched in an instant by somebody with three months <laughs> into the job, furs yellow. <laughs> Just thought, yeah. thought that was lovely. I... I, I... I would immediately counter with, but this has always been a problem. Yes. This is, this is not of late. Yes. But to be more, in, in, to answer the, 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 this paragraph better, um, yes, uh, you have a whole bunch of uh, controls now, right? You can have all these wonderful things in, inside of uh, full site editing or just the block editor inside of content, whatever. Sure. But any, any agency worth their salt would also uh, remove the things or configure the things to the point where that's exactly what they should need. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a moot argument altogether. There's going to be an you awful... You and moan about it all the, all, as much and as long as you want. But the bottom line is you have tools to your availability to make it a lockdown uh, version if that's what you need to have. The um the capability in the in the near future for things to be locked down inside of the block editor. So who gets access to what? And hopefully that's going to Even be that. much more yeah much more robust yeah. than than we have at the moment. Yeah, but so. you can choose if a paragraph is allowed to have twenty pixel uh, font. Uh, yes, font yes. Type. I do wonder. Can, I do so. wonder if there was a literal moment where somebody did actually want the button yellow in Can't Dan's life. Would where I'm the sure website was destroyed <laughs> and the client actually said, but I wanted it yellow. But look, look what you yeah. did. <laughs> you spent four hours trying to find the yellow. <laughs> Just phone us up and tell us you want it yellow. Okay, yeah. there we go. That's it. Unless Peach has got anything to say about that. Well, the one thing that springs to mind is that when you have schooled a client properly on accessibility and UX, they will not ask for yellow because you have an answer to them saying, well, you may, but this is not going to be compliant. It's not going to be legible, blah, blah, blah. So you can actually, or if they want the logo bigger, if you know what you're doing, you always have an answer to that. There so is, yep. there is exactly. no yellow. We don't have yellow here. <laughs> you stay away from the yellow uh that's it that's um, it we've reached the hour and a half stage we've done um we've done number 195 i really appreciate it thank amazing. you to matchek thank you to Peacher, and nice. thank you to steve i mean remkus for joining us today <laughs> really <laughs> oh dear i'm gonna get it in the neck when this call ends <laughs> we'll um we'll hopefully see you on the next show we'll be back every monday 2 p.m uk time and um here comes the awkward moment, Matchek, that you don't know about. And that is we have to all wave. We have to raise our hands like this and wave oh, at the same time. Oh, Remkus is doing Oh, look. Two oh, all right. Okay. If everybody's going to do we two, used I'm to have to do, <laughs> do two as well. Way. There we it's go. The That's it. The, the awkward moment is over. Thank you for coming and joining us. We'll see you again soon. Take it easy. Bye.